0: Hello, Bible Love listeners. So, this is a fantastic day here at the Bible Love recording studios, which are in Columbia, Greenwood, and Monteagle, Tennessee. It's a big, 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 big day for me. One of the reasons is because is two of the most important men in my life are meeting each other my dad, the Reverend Polk Van Zant. And of course, my partner in crime on the Bible Love podcast, the Reverend Alan Ventrop. I'm so grateful that these two men um, are getting to know each other and that we get to have a conversation today. So because both Alan and my dad are my family, I thought that I would do a prayer for families to start us off this morning. The Lord be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: God bless all that. I All those that I love. God bless all those that love me. God bless all those that love those that I love and all those that love those that love me. God bless Alan and Daddy. Amen. Amen.
2: What are we doing today? Uh, We're going to figure out what we're doing. So we last week wrapped up Leviticus. Um, That was a journey. Uh, We (laughs) had some awkward conversations. We had some kind of profound moving conversations, and I'm a little exhausted. And so we're going to use this week as a breather. Um, We're going to start taking a week, not a week off between books of the Bible, but a week where we're not continuing our journey through the Bible. So this week, we have a special guest, the Reverend Van Zandt, and we're going to talk about Scripture's role in our lives, how we as Anglicans, since we're all Episcopal priests here, actually, we're going to talk about how Scripture shapes us and how we approach it. And then next week, we'll pick back up in our ongoing saga of working our way through with numbers. And Dr. Tony's coming back to tell us everything we need to know about numbers. But in the meantime, this is going to be a little bit of a breather. We maybe don't have to get into the weird bits of scripture for a while. We're just going to talk about the Bible and why we love it.
0: Yeah. So, Daddy, you wanted to come to the table. And I think this is so good. Um, Alan and I have talked about this a tiny bit um, in the Episcopal tradition, how we look at scripture. But give us a little history of how you learned um, how scripture plays into the life of, of how we interpret it. Maybe that's a better way to say that.
1: Well, before I do that, let me say that I've been listening to you all's podcast since the beginning. And I'm just, first of all, I'm so proud of you, Mary Balfour. It's awesome. It is awesome. And Alan, you too, as well. This is actually the first time we've met. But I, I think the two of you together do just a fabulous, fabulous job. And I look forward to to the podcast every week and I am honored to be a part of it this week. So thank you for inviting me to thank be a you. part of this. Now, give me the question again.
0: So, You were going to give us a little history on why we, where we put the importance of scripture specifically in the Episcopal church, but this could be very helpful for any denomination that's listening how do, how do we frame scripture and, and what's the history of that?
1: Richard Hooker. Comes. Wow. Yeah. So in the, in the Anglican church, uh, it all sort of hinges on, uh, maybe not hinges is not the right word, but Richard Hooker is known as, uh, by the way, who is a 16th century English a theologian uh, who is widely acknowledged as the person who came up with the, the term via media the via media part of the of what we all know in the anglican uh, anglican church we all know that term uh richard hooker was writing against extremism in the church particularly Puritans, Puritanism, which was gaining a foothold in the Anglican Church in the 16th century, so he was writing against that. Um, and what he wrote was the laws of ecclesiastical polity. I think it's seven books. It's a huge. Uh, you don't want to try to read it unless <laughs> it's unless not your, you there is, is a
0: your summer uh, reading list, daddy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wrote it in modern English that's a little bit easier to read. I I actually read it in in the original old English which was boring. But uh you know what what he came up with was what we all have heard about the three-legged stool. Now the which is scripture reason and tradition. The problem with that is that most people have been taught, or at least that gives the image of balance between Scripture, reason, and tradition, when in reality, that's not what Richard Hooker said at all. He said that Scripture was preeminent over tradition, and reason. Whenever anything comes up in our lives, whether it's the church, our corporate life, or individually, we always, always go to Scripture first to see if we can find the answer. If we can't find the answer there, then we go to tradition. If we can't find the answer there, then we go to reason. Now, in our modern world, it seems to me, we often don't do that. And we, we tend to want to skip to reason, at, yeah. at least in our modern culture.
0: Well, I think I think that's really an important conversation. I'm glad you brought that up, Daddy, because um, often we do. I do that. I think, well, what, what, what is my mind telling me? Instead of going, okay, I have an issue. I wonder if I should open the Bible and maybe see if there's something about this. Or even Google, what does the Bible say about money, life choices, you know, anything? I mean, what do you think, Alan?
2: Yeah, I think. So there's this, I'm going to plug an Instagram sensation. Um, Sharon says she's a government teacher, a retired government teacher, and her, like, life's mission is to dispel people who are on the polar ends of the political spectrum and bring people to fact. And her saying is facts don't care about your feelings. And mm. we can feel something, our reason can say, oh, we have to do this. The facts don't care about that. And I think about that with the Bible, right? The Bible says God is love. That's easy. God loved me. God wants me to be happy at all times and in all places at all costs. Well, you know, I have kids. I love my boys deeply, but I'm not going to give them every single thing that they want. And so how do we look at scripture and this notion that God is love and say, that actually means there are boundaries. That actually means there are rules. It doesn't just mean like this Caligula and everything goes like, how do we interpret that? And so that, I think, is how reason helps can maybe help us understand because scripture says God is love. Then we have to use our tradition. Then we have to use our reason to say, what does that love look like?
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect example of how to use the three legged stool in a really way, good way. Um, I definitely think Daddy and my mom used um, a lot of reasoning when they were raising me because I didn't get everything I wanted. That's for sure. <laughs> um, one thing that may be interesting to people, um, and I would love to just kind of tell a little story to y'all, is that when I was 15 years old and finishing the eighth grade, my dad had been a cotton farmer for 17 years at that point um, in the Delta of Mississippi. And I remember him coming to me and saying, I think I want to be a priest. And I was like, that is definitely not what I want. Right. So, (laughs) um, but I, and it was hard, right? Daddy. I mean, it was a, it was a really hard time. It was four years of high school in different places and all of that. But daddy was listening to scripture, to his heart, to tradition, to reason, I don't want to speak for you but oh, that's right. and 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 going for it, and as hard as that is um of that time if it, as it was, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat because that man in the peach shirt is meant to be a priest to the world, and I know Alan has story a story like that, and I have a story like that. Um, but I, that's a place where I did really go when I was discerning was to Scripture. Where are priests called? How, what does that look like? I mean, we have a lot of examples of Scripture, in the, in, of call priesthood in, in Scripture. Um, and so I think that's a really um, valid point. And thanks for bringing that up, Dad. Um,
1: but, you know, it's, it's also true, Mary Balfour, in, in every person's everyday life. I mean, we all struggle with all different kinds of things, right. you know, in our life, whether it's financial or, uh, uh, you know, you name it. Yeah. We, people have struggles in their lives. Being a Christian does not mean it's, it's not a bed of roses. We've all heard that. I mean, it doesn't mean that all your problems go away. Right. And what it does mean is, as Alan just said, God is love. God loves us. So we have scripture and I really, I'm not sure I like this image, but scripture is really, the Bible is really almost a manual for living, but you have to learn the, you have to learn how to read it that way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I think some people look You know, you,
1: know, you can't just pick it up. When I mean, you hear stories about people opening the Bible, they've got something going on in their life and they just randomly open the Bible and it flops open to, you know, name of scripture and they happen to pick it up, read it, and they go, Whoa, and they're whole and they're converted. You know, their their whole life has changed. And I'm sure that happens. I'm I'm not Sure. Something that doesn't happen. But for most people, it's, you know, it's a lifelong journey of, of learning scripture. I know it was for me. Uh, I I can't tell you when, when I became, uh, when, when I came to love Jesus. Actually, I, love the church before I love Jesus. I I hate to tell people that, but it's true. You know, I fell in love with the church before I fell in love with Jesus. Um, So
0: I don't think that's, that's as weird as it. I mean, I think there a lot of priests have probably struggled with that yeah. or Christians in general, you yeah. know, love
1: for the church. But that's, that's kind of getting off the subject though. But what I'm saying is there. There really are answers to a lot of our problems because what does the Bible talk about all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament? It's relationships. It's our relationship with God. It's how, how we do all of that. And so if you read the Bible in a discerning way, then we're gonna learn from that because God repeatedly guides us back onto the path. Right. I mean yeah. all we gotta do is read it and, right. and and study it and
0: we've certainly seen that in the three. Count them three books that we have gotten through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. And, and 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 but we we talk about that a lot, don't we, Alan? Like this repetitiveness is there over and over, but God's love shining through never ends, even in the midst of like all the rules and regulations and don't do this, don't do that. You you, it's so apparent, you see it, and I I, am sure we're gonna. I know we are gonna continue to feel that and see that as.
1: Time goes on. So well, I'm, I'm, you know,
2: in my, I'm sorry, Alan. No, I saying one thing that you mentioned um, about community. I, I think that's something that gets lost in the reading of scripture now. Because, like, I in my office, I probably have like 12 Bibles. I, pro- You know, I've had books that, you know, 101 verses for every occasion or all these things, right? And so that means that I, as an individual Christian, can go in there and find all the answers. I don't know that the Bible was actually written with that in mind, like that some individual person sometime out in the future could figure everything out. It was written as a community document, right? Like these people studied it. Most of the people couldn't read it. They had to have someone who could read it. <laughs> that's perfect. They had to have people that could interpret it. And so I, what you talked about there, the community, that's a key piece is we can really twist ourselves in knots when we think we have to figure it out. When I open my Bible and I'm going through whatever I'm going through and I turn here to Matthew and I try to read it, then it's only what I know. It's only what I can understand versus, I think, the way the church has historically understood it. So let's read this in community. Let's talk about it in community um, because together we're going to have a lot more um, resources to, to understand this thing than just me sitting in my room at home. Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, like, Bible studies are so important, and you know what we're doing, even with our podcast, I think is important, right?
1: And sermons. Yeah,
0: and ser- well, I always and feel and bad sermons. for them with sermons because I'm, I'm, I mean, ugh, my poor little congregation.
1: No, um, you're you're a great preacher, Mary Balfour. I I will tell you this, Mary Balfour knows this. I I retired several years ago, and then in January I went back to to working very, very part-time at a very, very large parish, St. George's in Nashville. Uh, And one of the blessings that I did not see coming from this, every morning at St. George's, the clergy get together for a Bible study. Every morning. And that has been a huge blessing because just as you said, Alan, you know, reading the Bible by myself is fine. But when we're sitting there and then we go around and, and each talk about it, what we've read, that's, that's a whole different, that changes the ball game altogether. So you're exactly right about that.
2: And y'all probably both have the experience of, you know, like I'm paid to be the person that teaches the Bible to others. And I've sat in rooms, like I remember the church I served in Houston, my favorite thing all week was the Wednesday morning Bible study. These people are all my parents' age or older, and they come in and they've got this baby priest that supposedly has it all figured out. I learned so much more from them and their experiences and the way that they see scripture that it... I needed them to teach me so that I could have that scripture ready to preach on Sunday,
0: right I think that's so true. um something I've been doing the past couple of weeks is um after I finished my service on Sunday, I've been going and listening to wherever Alan is preaching um which has been such a gift for me because I had just preached on that text, but i'm getting i'm I'm trying to feed them. Alan's feeding me um, with the words that he's, he's given. And maybe, you know, he can do, I can do that for him sometimes, but I think sometimes clergy don't get that chance, you know? And so that's been a huge gift. The stress of my morning and and a great day of worshiping the Lord is done. And then I get 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Well, you're kind of a longer preacher than I am, Alan, but you know, a few (laughs) minutes of, uh, of, of just the word. And I think that's so important. And then something dad and I do is every day I send him the forward movement electronically. And I know every morning daddy and I are reading the exact same words and it might not be at the same time. It might not, but I know that he and I are, are reading those same words and in my head, um in a lot of sadness or grief or whatever day it is or joy or happiness it's so comforting to know that my dad and i are reading that same verse together and whatever the writer's response is so.
1: so so let's expand that out a little bit think about uh, in the daily lectionary or in the sunday lectionary at least in the anglican communion everybody every anglican in the world is is hearing, yeah, the the exact same scripture. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it is cool. I I want to um, feed off of something that Alan said. That's not about scripture, but it is a great story. Uh, you were talking about learning from your as a baby priest. I was just out of seminary. I mean started my new I I was the deacon in charge been there less than a week one of my parishioners came to me and said my mother's dying she's at home would you mind coming by she was a southern baptist I went by visited with her for a little while and she I said I'd like to pray with you and she said that'd be great so I said a prayer extemporaneously not something you know we're really trained to do, but I did it, and I said, "I'm oh, in, and I thought that was going to be the end of it and She grabbed my hand and she said, "Oh no, young man, now it's my turn and Then she started praying, and I mean it was it was almost embarrassing, and I learned so much from that one experience of her depth of relationship with the Lord and her ability to, to, you know, reach down into that pool of, of lifelong love. It was just, it was, I left there crying. I'll just be honest. Yeah. I don't know why
0: you can't be affected by something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. It was amazing. And she died two two days later. So
0: You know, Alan, that might be like one of our questions for the week is how can we, I mean, I think sometimes people really just put it on clergy to, to do all that. But how can our clergy friends that are listening or even anyone that's listening, how can we understand scripture better by the community that is around us? And the people that are around us, Um, you know, I I think that's so important. Last night I was at a dinner party and um, it was not at my home and it was with a parishioner and the the parishioner said, do you want to pray? And I learned this from Bishop Waldo. I said, no, it's your home. It's your home. You pray. And it was wonderful to give, let him have a voice. And I didn't need to be that voice
1: in that moment. So that's exactly right.
0: Um, so daddy, we had all these questions about how you were like an amazing father and taught me all about scripture and you are an amazing father and you have taught me a lot about scripture. Um, and I know that it's really important to Alan, um, when he's teaching his children, but, um, you know, you and Alan have something in common. You both are parents to kids you may or may not love the church, may or may not love Jesus, um, and are struggling to kind of figure that out. Um, but one of your kids, two of your kids are awesome, and they've done great things. But one of your kids is is really awesome and did this really great thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm
1: so talking uh, about me. Yeah, me. I know what you're talking about you. So...
0: But I thought it I don't might know where be you cool going with this? For the listeners to hear this.
1: Okay. So uh Mary Balfour is talking about herself. <laughs> uh, that's not unusual. <laughs> Mary Balfour was working as a major gifts uh, officer at uh, the University of Alabama in Birmingham and uh, you want me to say your age at the time? Or yeah, I
0: was 30. I think I was
1: she 30. was on her 30th birthday. She came to me and she said, Dad, I, I've really been praying about this, and I, I think I've, I'm, I've got a call to, to the priesthood, and I'd like to discern that. And my response was, I've been waiting for you to come to tell me that. So interestingly enough since I like to talk about myself I had the exact same spirit experience when when I went to see my priest and when I went to see my bishop he said the exact same thing he said I've been wondering when you were going to come to see me so and we now, uh, we're, well, we're often the last you know we're often the last
0: yeah to realize it so um I can't wait. Maybe one day Walker and Ford will come to you and say, dad, and you'll get to have that chance. But, you know, even if they don't be great humans. But I think one of the reasons we wanted to tell that story is um, exactly what daddy said. We you know, you don't have to be a priest, but just whatever it is in your life you know, scripture, love, all of that. So many people see that within us. And Alan has a sim- very similar story that he told not too long ago on the podcast of something exactly the same thing you right. know, that someone that I've been waiting for. You know, I knew you were going to have that same experience. But I do think um, having people like that in your lives, I'm so fortunate to have a father and a mother that have supported me Um through thick and thin. Um, one cool ending to that story, and you, I know you want to talk, but I just want to say this, is um, Dad and I were ordained 20 years and two days
1: difference. Yeah, apart. Yeah. not kind of neat? That is. Oh. So, so and- what I wanted to say was, as you know, you have two brothers. Yes. And... You know, this all started with talking about scripture. Well, we grew, they, they all grew up in a small little rural town in the Mississippi Delta in a little bitty tiny church. I mean, on a good Sunday, there might be 40 people there. That was on a maxed out Sunday. A lot of Sundays there were 25. But we had a really robust Sunday school. Uh, It was really kind of cool. This was before Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. They had a a, a, um, sandbox that was built up off the ground, off the floor, so they could stand. And I remember they would do the Bible scenes in the sandbox. This is before the catechesis. I mean, it was, it was really amazing. We read Bible stories to them. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think they got the seed was planted. I'll put it that way. They were acolytes. So, you know, we went to church virtually every Sunday. I
0: poured wine on the priest's shoes,
1: uh, in his shoes. The first time you were an acolyte, that is true. Uh, the boys, uh, Uh, Thomas is connected. My oldest son is not. He's, he finds his religion. I'm not quite sure how to say this. And he lives out West in, in nature, nature. And I'm trying to convince him, as we talked about earlier about community, that it really takes community that, the, it's the church that's but he's the, a pretty
0: spiritual guy,
1: oh, he's very spiritual In a way. <laughs> no question about that I would Love
0: never, hope you're listening
1: absolutely, so I mean, you know, but they're all grown ups i I think we did all that we could do, and we rely on the Holy Spirit as being the week after Pentecost uh we've we've been talking a lot about that at St. George's. You know, the Holy Spirit seems to be the third person of the Trinity that we talk the least about in the church, which is a whole different conversation. If you all want to have that sometime, we can have that. But anyway, you know, Mary Balfour, Became a priest and I'm so proud of her for that, but I'm proud of them too. And they're, you know, I, I know where they're going to end up. So we're all good. We're all going to be in heaven together. That's, that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. They're awesome guys. Alan, this is what happens when you get the bands dance together in this family. We yeah, just,
1: right.
0: right. So Alan, welcome to our family. Yeah. Glad you're part of it now. Um, very nice
2: to meet you. Uh,
0: and so glad, Daddy, it means the world to me. That you've, I've been trying to get you to do this from the very beginning, and it only took me like five months.
1: Well, you know how I feel about cameras.
0: Yes, I do. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap it up, but I think Dad said the best thing at the very end, right? We all know we're gonna be with Jesus in heaven at the end, and and that's what matters. Um, be with us next week. We will be bringing a guest back. We've never done that before. A guest two times on the show. We're looking forward to that, Dr. Tony Hopkins. But as always, know that we love you, but most importantly, God does.